Hallelujah. Father, which art in heaven, thank you for the great opportunity and privilege we have to share your holy word. We are grateful and we are thankful for this great blessing. We love you, uh, we praise you, and we ask that every heart here will be open. Open our hearts, Lord, to the Holy Spirit, to the revelation, to guidance. We are grateful, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank our host, Pastor. Thank you for opening up your church for us. I want to thank all the fathers. It's a blessing to be in Kenya. Kenya, Kenya is a great nation. Amen. And a powerful nation. Only you don't go to World Cup. You'll be there soon. <laughs> Next time. All right. Today I want to um, share with you the greatest key to the greatest advancement of your life and your ministry. And this great key for the greatest advancement is such that it will make you very, very great in the sight of God. Amen. And what is this great key? Is the greatest anti-satanic key. How many want an anti-satanic key? Oh yes, something that, something that defeats the devil and all that he has done. And that key is the key of humility. Amen. So my sharing with you this morning is to make, my aim is to help you to make humility attainable. Amen. Attainable. Please come. I think there are seats reserved for you here, please. Amen. Everybody say attainable. attainable. Now, many people in the world are filled with pride for no apparent reason. You don't have to own anything to be proud. You don't have to own anything to be proud. Pride is not as a result of um, owning anything. Pride is not as a result of 
having money. You don't have to have even one shilling to be proud. You just have to stay on earth to be proud. You have to live here. If you live in this world, pride will come to you. Yes. If you, if you like, stay here and see. And pride is the most terrible and invisible enemy that every pastor has. When you see pastors and we have problems and issues, really we don't have many problems and issues. We have one problem, the problem of pride. I don't know whether I'm talking to the right people. Maybe I'm talking to angels. (laughs) When you see a church which is not growing, the problem, you see, in this book here, I have some books on church um, growth. This one is called the mega church. This is a very anointed book, this particular one. There are are different anointings on different books. This one is a strong anointing on this book, and this one is church growth. And in this book, you see, when when you go to churches, like a church like this, may have a seating capacity of all these people. Many churches, the seats are filled on the day of dedication. The day the church is dedicated. But after that, there are no people filling the seats. I'm going to Tanzania. Because the things I'm saying don't apply in Kenya. This book has, um, let me see, 18 sections. This one, Church Growth. It's a very important book. You know, church planting, to plant churches. I don't know any church in Ghana which was planted by a Kenyan. Even though you are such a great nation. You know, your nation is greater than Ghana in many ways. Because when you talk of the economy of Kenya, it's much, much bigger than the economy of Ghana. Only that you don't go to World Cup. This This is your only problem. You cannot qualify. But your economy is very powerful. And you have many churches, but I've not seen any Kenyan evangelist 
in Uganda or in going to Ghana or Nigeria or Gambia or Sierra Leone or Liberia to preach. I've, I've not just seen it before. I'm almost 60 years old. I haven't seen one before. Yeah, even though you are so great. Yes. Yes. Church growth. Church planting. Planting of churches. It is the work of God. Why do we not plant churches? Why are churches not planting churches? And the reason, there are 18 sections, there are many reasons in this book, but all those reasons, I will throw them down and tell you that the real reason is pride. Pride is the reason for the failure in the ministry. I have a book here on marriage, model marriage. It's quite a popular book. And then I have a special book here for pastors' marriages. If you are not a pastor, don't read this book. It's not allowed. It's not allowed to read this book if you are not a pastor. And especially for pastors' wives. Oh, yes. Keys for this, steps to this, keys for this, step to this. But all the problems in marriages. Now, pastors have as many problems as church members. In fact, sometimes more problems than church members. Because in addition to having all the problems that they have, they are also having to pretend that their marriages are good. So they become Hollywood actors. But all the reason and all the teachings in all these books, I'll throw them down. And I'll say there's only one problem in the marriages. It is the problem of pride. Because only by pride cometh contention. That's what the Bible says. Only by pride. Only. Only by pride cometh contention. And contention or problems that come is only by pride. So if we can break the cloud of pride, even our marriages are going to escalate into higher dimensions. Amen. Amen. We have so many pastors who have qualifications from Bible schools and big names. Pastors have big names. Since I came to Kenya, one of the commonest words I hear are fathers. I don't even hear, let's want to introduce the pastors. They say, want to introduce the fathers. 
I don't hear that in other countries. Here, pastors are called fathers. I think I'm going to Uganda now. You hear the word fathers. So we have titles. We have big cars. We have beautiful, nice, dignified looks. But do we have anointing? And I have books here on anointing. Hey, these books are powerful. You know why I say they are powerful? Few authors have written books that have been published up to the tune of 40 million books. 40 million, not thousand. In about 60 different languages. Yeah. I am invited all over the world. People who have never met me, but they just read my book. Yeah, to preach. Amen. I'm talking about anointing. There's a teaching on the anointed and his anointing. Because as I'm here, I am with an an anointing. This book is called Catch the Anointing. It's something you don't learn in a Bible school, anointing. Your certificate is different from your anointing. I've never been to a Bible school. I've been to, I had no time to go to Bible school. I went to medical school. It took all my time. So after seven years in medical school, I had no time to go to Bible school. I wasn't even, I didn't even know any Bible school. But I caught the anointing. If I was not anointed, I would not be here. Yes. That's why you are not in Ghana. You are not in Ghana. I am in Kenya. I've driven here with my cars to come and have a crusade in your town. Not in Nairobi, but in Nyeri. Oh, yes. Catch the anointing. And there's another book here. The Sweet Influences of the Anointing. I wish I could share with you some of these things. How the anointing will influence you and change your life. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And then the steps to the anointing. You know, Jesus didn't want his disciples to go without anointing. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't even try. Don't even try. Jesus himself never attempted any ministry without the anointing. When Jesus got to a point, everyone in town knew him as a carpenter. If you want to buy a coffin, you see Jesus. If you want to buy, make a wardrobe, you see Jesus. 
If you want to repair your roof, you see Jesus. If you want to make a dining table, you call Jesus. That was how Jesus was known. Till the day that he became anointed. When the anointing came on Jesus, he threw away the carpentry. And now he even developed a nickname. Christ. People think that Jesus is the son of Mr. and Mrs. Christ. No. Christ is a nickname. It means anointed one. Anointed one. The anointing was the main thing that you notice about Jesus Christ. I don't know if that is the main thing we notice about your life and your ministry. Many pastors don't know the steps to the anointing. This book is called Steps to the Anointing. And yet, are not interested even in reading a book like this. So, why is it that we have unanointed pastors? Why, why do we have the anointed pastors? One day I was in a church and I saw the pastor preaching. And I was saying that this man is going to, is driving away people from Christ. He's driving away people from Christ. As he was preaching, people were sleeping. As he was preaching, people, I, I saw somebody, he adjusted himself. At the beginning of the sermon, he, he adjusted himself to sleep like this. The sermon hadn't even started. And by the time the man was, he was talking, I said, no, 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 no. This man is driving people away from God. By the deadness, the letter killeth. It kills Christianity and it kills the church and it kills the... Go to churches all over Europe. They have killed the church with dead preaching. They've killed the church with priests who don't know God. They sit there and then the, 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 the white people sit in the churches and they say, what is this religion? What do you need to do? What is this church? It has no relevance. It's deception. Young people are not interested in the churches. They sit on the side on their phones. They are not interested in anything. It's dead. They only go for funerals. I heard the man pray said, no, 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 this man is, this man is spoiling, he's driving people away. In the end, nobody will be in the church. Gradually, you see that, no, everybody leaves the church. Yes. And it's, it's, and you see, you, you see, you, when you go to such places, you hear the message, the message is correct, it's biblical, it's everything is good, but it lacks something. And that thing it lacks is called the anointing. And it is that lack that causes people to sleep and find it boring. Look, if Christ hadn't saved me, hadn't reached out to me in a special way, I would, I would not be a Christian. My father used to take me to church every Sunday. Ah, I hated it. I used to just go to see if any of my friends would have come. I do not, and whatever the priest said, I don't get it. 
I don't understand it. It was dead. My favorite priest was the one who would say, we are singing the first and the last stanzas of the hymn. You know, sometimes a hymn can have seven verses. Ha! Very long. And you see that so that they have a board and they put all the hymns they are going to sing. I look at I say, I'll be counting the hymns. We are going to sing hymn 517. After that, hymn 618. After that, hymn 422. After that, hymn 381. After, and each one, seven verses. Eight verses. And you don't understand what they are singing. Ah, but there was, there was a priest every time he comes, we shall sing the first and the last stanza. We shall sing the first and the last stanza. He, he was my favorite. <laughs> because I wanted the church service to be short. Today in my church, when I have church service, the church service, service starts at 12 p.m. ends at 5, 12 to 5 p.m. Oh, yes. 12 to 5. I don't believe in that fast, set, fast church service. Quick, 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 quick. We, we don't even have enough time. Oh yes. oh, yes. And the church is full. Full. There is a lack of oil in the church. That's why things are dead. They are selling all the churches in England. All are for sale. For sale as apartments, as restaurants, nightclubs. Every other religion can buy. Our church has also bought some. What has killed the church? The Bible says the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. So the lack of the spirit is the lack of life. But where there is life, that's why you have many churches, only old people attend. Only old people attend. The church is made of elderly members. Straight from the old people's home, they come to the church and then they go back to the old people's home. Whenever you see a church where there are no young people, it's a lack of the spirit. Because a young, young person, eh, Young people are full of life. They are full of uh, youth. You see, that's what the Bible, they are, they are full of desires that have not yet been corrected or even organized. That's why the Bible says, flee youthful lusts. Young people have a lot of sexual desires. They are just there, then they have erection. The erection comes in the afternoon, in the morning, in the evening, at any time. They can be watching you preaching, then erection is just coming. <laughs> I don't know whether I have to go to Uganda to continue preaching. <laughs> so, so you see that, you see that if there is no power, you never have a young person in your church. No, no, no. 
people. Old people who have had various troubles in life. They have seen so many crises, financial problems, marital problems, and they have become very calm. And they, 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 they will come to the church. And as they die, the church will get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Until you are supervising an empty cathedral. Oh, yes. But if you have the anointing, you see that the young people with all their sexual desires and all their strength, they will all be there. Ah, they will love it. Young people really love God. The Bible says we should serve God whilst we are young. Yes. Timothy must have been a young man. That is why Paul told him to flee and run away from his youthful, his Timothy's youthful life. He wasn't telling Timothy to preach about youthful lust. He was telling Timothy that he as a pastor, he has youthful lust and he should be careful of them because he was a young man. Where the anointing is finished. No young people are pastors. Pastors are just elderly. They look very dignified as, as though they are ambassadors. And they look very dignified uh, 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 diplomats. Hey! Because no young person would like to be a pastor when there's no anointing. No young person would like, look at what is this? What is this? Why, why would a young person want to do something like this? You stay in the church and we sing, Oh Lord, oh Lord. Hey, when there's, you have to go on Instagram and go on Facebook and do other things. Why? Why? But that's why you have the churches with only elderly pastors and elderly members. And all the young people are outside, I mean, playing basketball. Basket. I remember I went to a church one time. And uh, the pastor was an elderly man. And he said, Let us welcome the choir to sing when the choir came I, I was sitting on stage so because I was sitting on stage I was facing the congregation and uh, the choir was a little behind me so I didn't look at the choir but they started to play very beautiful song now, I don't know, the choir was arranged a little behind me, but the musicians, those playing, I could see them. Hey, the, the musicians were some young guys. They were playing, they keep, they move when they are playing. And then they were playing the guitar. The drums, had, I mean, very wild. And I was just admiring them. So as, I, as they were singing, something said to me, Look at the choir. Because I didn't look at the choir, but I, because I also play instrument. I play all the instruments. Yeah. So, 
I was looking at the musicians as they were playing, and I was very impressed. Then something said, look at the choir. When I looked at the choir, there were two rows of grandmothers. I mean, grand, they must be grand or great grandmothers. Nobody had black hair. It was only white hair. But you see, it didn't occur to me because the, the song was so groovy and I mean, dance very like a young person's music. But when I looked, grandmothers dancing and singing, I said, hey! So afterwards, I found out all the people playing instruments, they have been hired. Oh, yes. And then they are paid. I don't believe that instrumentalists should be paid. Musicians should not be paid to play in the church. I don't pay musicians in my church. Never, never. Never, never. And all the young, there were no young people in the church. So these are musicians who are there for money. And the choristers are the grandmothers. There's no the young people are out. God help us. No, you have to look carefully at what I'm saying because you see, you may be laughing, but go to Europe and see thousands and thousands. I forget how many thousand churches there are. Buildings in uh, France, about fifty something thousand church buildings. They are all empty. It has happened. A lack of the spirit, a lack of the anointing, and gradually the church has been killed until there's nobody left, and that's how it starts. Oh, just elderly people, elderly people, elder. There's nothing wrong with elderly. We need our elders. We need our fathers. But a home without children. And young people, something is finishing. You know, in my house, all my children have gone away. Either they are in school or they are out of the house. My house is different. Yes. I have to walk through, you see, empty rooms. You go in empty rooms and then you go. So I decided to even change the design of my house to close. I have to close all these places. Yeah, because I cannot be walking through ghost areas. (laughs) Place is quiet. Those of you who have children, oh, thank God for the noise. How they spoil the house, the scruffiness, and the noise and the quarrels is a sign of life. So, where you have churches and all the young people have gone somewhere else, your church is becoming a ghost church. Oh, yes. And I will say that the lack of the anointing of pastors is pride 
Oh yes. You see, the pride, pride makes you not to see. You can't see because of your pride. Because why does pride make you not see? Because pride puffs up. It causes a swelling. And when the swelling comes, you don't see many things. You see, those who have pot bellies, they can't see below the pot belly. <laughs> I think I have to go back to Ghana. The swelling has made them that they can't see. <laughs> no, you can't see. You can't see below. You can't see what is below. What is and you can't even bend because you are swollen. You can't even bend. <laughs> Pride changes you. Pride changes you. At first you could bend down. But now you can. You cannot bend. Because pride puffs up. The Bible talks about being puffed up. Puffed up. Swollen unnaturally. Big for nothing. Pride makes you blind because pride lifts you up. And when you are far up there, you can't see the little, you can't see many things when you are high up there. You don't see the things that are down. That's why many times we always ask our leaders of the government, do you see what is happening here? You are so far up in your high places. Do you see what is happening to the ordinary person down there on the ground? You can't see below. That's what pride does. And pride makes you not to see. Like you see, it has not occurred to some of you that Kenyans don't plant churches outside Kenya. That's not okay because you can't see. And the reason you can't see is because of pride. Pride doesn't let you notice that. Is there any famous Kenyan evangelist who has gone, at least in Ghana, I've still been waiting. And in Nigeria. You are coming, but come quickly because Jesus is coming soon. There will be no chance to do all these things that you are planning to be doing. Even other what? Other cities within Kenya. Other cities in Kenya. Whether there are Kenyan evangelists who go to other cities. Yes. Whether there's a Kenyan evangelist who go to cities from here to here and preach and have crusades, large crusades. But you see, you can't even see. You can't even see that there's nothing like that. Or even... 
a Kenyan minister who has a, an international following on, on, on Facebook for instance if you look for pastors who have 1 million, 2 million followers on Facebook you wouldn't find Ken Kenyans I have about 3 or 4 million followers on Facebook but you won't easily find a, a, a Kenyan pastor. You can find a Nigerian. And some of us even look, we look down on Nigerians. That's how is Nigeria, is from West Africa. You can't see. You can't see because you are far up there. Oh, you are swollen. You can't see many things. You can't even see that you lack anointing. You can't even see that the members of your church are getting finished. You always excuse it. The only time that the church gets food is a funeral or a wedding or I don't know whether baby dedication or what. Yes, December. That is when people come. You don't notice these things. You don't notice the age of your members, the age of pastors. That they, you, don't, you don't notice it's changing. And it's only the old. Where are the young men of God with churches that are full? Hmm? You don't notice that you, you, you can't, you don't notice that you don't receive from outside others. You don't even notice it. You are just confined to some small thing that you know. So, it's very important that we realize that there are many problems that we, that we have. A lack of anointing and anointed pastors. Look, you see somebody say, ah, the anointing is upon me because uh, I have been able to see important people. But Jesus said the anointing is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Let me tell you, it takes a great anointing to preach to poor people. Because you are going to get nothing from them. So the greater the anointing, the greater the ability to preach to the poor. Yeah, because I didn't write the Bible. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He said, to who? To the poor. Try preaching to the poor. Try traveling to the poor. Try it and see whether you have money to ever, ever try it again. <laughs> so the fact that I'm standing here preaching for almost 20 years in evangelistic crusades. Now, I've been a pastor for some years, but I started having crusades. I'm still doing the crusade. This year I've been to Madagascar, poor, to poor towns. Morango, Morangamara, what is it called? Moramanga, Tuamasina. Breakerville is a, a town that we went to, yeah, Breakerville. I've been to Liberia, to the back of Liberia. Zwedru. To uh, Ganta, Banga, places. 
There's no road, there's no water. There's no light. I preach in Guinea-Bissau. There's no electricity in the whole country. Yes, when I was there, I don't know if it has changed now, but there was no electricity. There were, there were, there were poles, but no cables in the whole country. And everybody uses a torch. Everybody uses a torch. So when we went, we even made donations of torches to for people to have. It's torch, everybody uses a torch. Oh yes, I've been there. I've been there. I've been to places where there's no toilet. Everybody goes to toilet outside. In, outside means toilet. Outside means toilet. Oh yes. What are you going to get from these people? Will they give you a car? Will they give you money? Will they buy tickets for you? Will they bless you with anything as a man of God? No. It takes power to go and to go again and again and again. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to the poor. Yes. To people who cannot say thank you. People who cannot say thank you. People who are not respected and regarded. But God, Jesus died for them. God loved them very much. Very, very, very much. Oh, yes. That is why we should shut our mouths, especially charismatics. Sometimes you see charismatic churches, Christians, criticizing Catholic. Yes. But in every corner, in the poorest place, you will not found, find a loud mouth charismatic novices. But you will find a Catholic church with a priest who is living over there. Eh? And at least they know the name of Jesus through that church. That's why you should shut up when you see fathers working. Let's see how your church will be like in 20 years. Whether it will even be there in a hundred years. The Catholic church is still here after 2,000 years and they wear the same uniform. The one, the uniform they wear in Rome, they wear the same uniform here in Yeri. Yes, and the same uniform in Ghana. You, you have a church, you cannot even make the choir wear the same uniform in, in the church on Sunday. So, you don't have to own anything to be proud. Always remember that. In fact, some of the proudest people are some of the poorest people. Some of the proudest pastors are the emptiest pastors. They don't have even any, any members. You see somebody with 19 members, with a big name, Bishop, Reverend, 
with a shiny suit and a tie from Italian tie and shiny shoes. Hey! But he has got only 19 members. Including children are the members of the church. Do you have people like that in Kenya? Big name pastors, but nothing to them. Yes. You don't have to have anything to be proud. You just have to be in this world. And through existing in this world, you see that pride just comes to you. Never think that this poor man is humble. No, 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 no. Poverty doesn't make you humble. Poverty can make people... Why do people fight? The Bible says, only by pride cometh contention. So the master key is where Jesus was asked, how can you be great in this kingdom? Amen. Who is the greatest? Are you there? Who is the greatest? Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. At the same time came the disciples to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest? In the kingdom of heaven. Amen. This is an amazing question. Which if I was to see Jesus even today. I would ask him this same question. All the pastors sitting in the front row here. Who is the greatest? <laughs> is it by the best shoes? Or the best suits or is it the, is the greatest person in the second row maybe the greatest person is in the second row you never know or is the greatest in the church at the back who is the greatest is the greatest the greatest apostle of Kenya is the greatest one of the fathers because you have a lot of fathers. <laughs> More fathers are coming, I hear. Amen. More fathers are coming. Who is the greatest? Amen. Who is the greatest? Ah, how many would like to ask Jesus? Who is the greatest? I have a friend there. Ah, he told me something. It was a little funny, but a little scary and also a little sad. This friend of mine is a Nigerian and he has a great ministry in Nigeria. He has a great church ministry in Nigeria. I've known him for many years. One day he told me that he had a vision and Jesus told him, is going to show him the top 200 men of God in Nigeria. 
like who they are. And this, my friend, who has a, one of the big churches, he said when he showed him the names, his name was not in that list of the top 200. <laughs> He, he was shocked. Top 200 in the people in the country. He was not. So you see, he was completely deceived as to who he was and how great he was, even within his own country. Yeah. And you see, it is very easy for pastors to be deceived about themselves. It's because we don't travel. Some of you, if we invite you, you won't go. Even to Nairobi, you won't go. And you realize that you are not in the top uh, tier of the pastors in the country. Amen. Are you excited? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Wow. wow. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest. That's the answer. Whoever is like a child is the greatest pastor in the kingdom of Kenya. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So you have your answer as to who is the greatest pastor in Kenya. In fact, I want to know who are the top 200 greatest pastors in Kenya. Yeah. I don't know whether you will fit in. Hmm? I don't know whether you will be added to that. I don't know where I would fit in. But for me, this is the most the, one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. And I think that for every pastor, all of us, it would be a very good prayer to pray every day for the spirit of humility. Even though we think we are humble. How many of you feel that you are humble? Raise your hand. Only one person. There's one person here that thinks that he's humble. I'll, we will see whether he's humble. Now, are you humble? Now, it is easy to say, I am humble. How many have ever heard somebody say, I am humble, but you felt he was proud? <laughs> have, you, have you heard that before? Yes. Because that one 
it's not easy for somebody to, for you to um, see whether you are really humble. There are people who have said to me, oh, you are very humble. I said, what do you mean by humble? What do you mean by humble? Because you have some things in your mind that look great to you. But even sometimes the way someone talks, people feel, oh, he's very humble. He speaks very gently. I am Ah, he's very humble. <laughs> oh, yes. Do you know that people who are tall are accused of being proud? And those who are shorter are accused of being humble. So today, God is showing you, amen, amen, a great, great, great revelation on how you can become very great in the eyes of God. Amen. I would like to be great in the eyes of God. Amen. I would like to be great in the eyes of God. Shall we stand up and pray for a moment? Ask God to ask God to make you humble in his eyes.
Yes. Thank you, Lord, for this blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, everything that I reveal to you today is going to take you a step towards greatness in, in, in Jesus' estimation. One step towards greatness in his eyes. Now, I just want you to remember Luke 16 and verse 15. Luke 16 and verse 15, which says, um, You are they which justify yourselves before men. God knows your hearts. Now, that which is highly esteemed among men, like it's great to men, is nothing to God. It's often not, not, let me not change the Bible, please. It's an abomination to God. Usually what men think of as great is actually not great at all. Yes. And that should always be in your mind. Watch out for the things that men praise and hail, acknowledge and affirm as a good and a great thing. Often what men think is a great thing is often not great and sometimes often as an abomination 
So be careful because you must be great in God's eyes, not what is esteemed by men. Amen. God's eyes and God's estimation is very important. So you must look out for that. Now, in this book, those who are proud, and I want to recommend that you get the books and read them if you are interested. Now, in this book, I try hard for this very invisible, ambiguous quality to be found by anyone who reads the book. To see how you can attain to something so difficult to attain to. It's so difficult to really be humble. Because you say I am humble and that moment you are proud. You think you are humble and then you find out that actually you've been proud. And even when you are humble, you don't even know that you are being humble. That's one of the things that I found. Like when I decided to be in full-time ministry, I didn't know that it was a step of humility. It didn't occur to me. But later I found out that to decide to be a pastor rather than to be a medical doctor, I found out that it was actually a step going down. Because many people don't respect pastors. Oh, don't mind him. They just they are just after money. They are this, they are that. Do people insult pastors in Kenya? Yeah. Oh, don't mind him. Don't mind them. They just want this. They are this and that and that. People talk about pastors anyhow. So to accept that, it was actually a step down. To accept to live off offerings. And not, sal- and not a salary. It's also a strange adjustment. It takes something to go down. Where people, anything you have, people consider it as a gift. And not as something you worked for. And not as something you deserve. If they find you sitting in the business class of the plane, they want, what are you doing here? <laughs> What are all these? So, today I want to say that every problem that is in the world is related to pride. Because the first sin of the universe was not Adam and Eve's disobedience, but Lucifer's pride. That's the original sin. The original sin is the sin of pride. I will ascend. I will be like the most high. I will go up there. I will remove the most high from his seat. That's the original sin. And Satan has imparted that nature to the whole human race. So everything we are and everything we have has that. That is why throughout our lives, God breaks us down. He breaks you down through afflictions and many things to bring you to a place of humility where you are distant from satanic natures. If God doesn't allow us to go through certain things, you'll be surprised at how much worse things would be. That's why Paul said that 
there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted because of the abundance of the revelations that I have received. Our people don't like all these aspects of the Bible, but they are all in there. And so many times the difficulties, look at Europe today, they are so rich. When they are complaining of poverty, it's because maybe their children don't have toys at Christmas. And they don't know what is poverty. <laughs> they don't know what is poverty. And where there's so much abundance, they say there is nothing like God. They have invented cars which park themselves. You tell the car park and the car will park. It breaks by itself. It stops by itself. It, it films itself as it's moving. There's no God. We are everything. So, Paul said, lest I should be exalted above measure. Because of the abundance of the revelations that was given to me a thorn. It was all to prevent his personal exaltation. You may not believe it. But many, many thorns in our lives, they are there for our own protection against only one thing. Our pride. Yes, our pride. Because every problem in the ministry is from pride. So let us see if we can get a breakthrough away from this invisible cloud. If we can get a breakthrough into humility. If we can get something to just take a step. There are so many nations which are struggling all that they need to do is to say, we can't do it. Help us. Or take over. And the nation will change. But they will not. You see people who have gone to school and they will print a currency in billions. Millions and billions one day I asked a banker, a lady banker, I said, what is wrong? Why don't we have in our currency? I said, why don't we have in, in Ghana, why don't we have a thousand, like a thousand seed? Do we have a thousand CD note? No. Why don't we have a thousand, ten thousand? He said, no. He said that it's one of the principles is that the larger the notes, the more the inflation, and it's not good. That's why in England, they've never had even 100 pound note before. It's one pound, 20 pound, 50 pound is the highest they have ever gone all these years. They will never increase it. Because the bigger you make, the more people spend, and the more inflation, and more, it's, it's not a good thing. And there, there are people, I don't know, I'm not a banker, please. As for me, I'm, I'm a science student. I'm not an art student.
Now you see, they've never, US dollar, they've never increased it from 100. Although people carry thousands, they've never increased your $100 bill. But you see countries, hey, by the way, I don't know your currency, I've not used it, used it before, I don't know whether you have also 1 million and 10 million and all that. Now 1,000, yeah. So, what I'm saying is that many places, you know, there are things that if people were to ask, you see countries get this. One day I went to a nation and the nation was going down, not, not Kenya, another country, another country in a, another, um, in another country, in a continent whose name begins with A. A continent whose name begins with A. And I was, telling, I was saying that, ah, your country is going through difficulties. Instead of accepting that the country is going through difficulty, he rather gave me a proverb. And the proverb he gave me was that, when an elephant loses weight, it's still very big. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll leave you. <laughs> <laughs> 